Hello, this is Tushta Krishna Das, and you're listening to ISKCON Denver podcast, where you can hear all of our classes and kirtans. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with others. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Yet 
Personality of Godhead. Namadeya, the name. Shravana, hearing. Kirtanat, yat, to whom. Pravanat, by offering obeisances. Yat, whom. Smaranat, by remembering. Api, even. Kvachit, at any time. Svaada, a dog eater. Api, even. Sadya, immediately. Savanaya, for performing Vedic sacrifices. Kalpate, becomes eligible. Kuta, what to speak of. Puna, again. Te, you. Bhagavan, O Supreme Personality of Godhead. Then, Darshanat, by seeing face to face. Translation. To say nothing of the spiritual advancement of persons who see the Supreme Person face to face, even a person born in a family of dog-eaters immediately becomes eligible to perform Vedic sacrifices if he once utters the holy name of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, or chants about him, hears about his pastimes, offers him obeisances, or even remembers him. Report by Srila Prabhupada. Herein, the spiritual potency of chanting, hearing, or remembering the holy name of the Supreme Lord is greatly stressed. Rupa Goswami has discussed the sequence of sinful activities of the conditioned soul, and he has established in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu that those who engage in devotional service become freed from the reactions of all sinful activities. This is also confirmed in Bhagavad Gita. The Lord says that he takes charge of one who surrenders unto him, and he makes him immune to all reactions to sinful activities. If by chanting the holy name of the Supreme Personality, one becomes so swiftly cleared of all reactions to sinful activities, it to be said of those persons who see him face to face. Another consideration here is that persons who are purified by the process of chanting and hearing become immediately eligible to perform Vedic sacrifices. Generally, only a person who is born in a family of brahmanas who has been reformed by the ten kinds of purificatory processes 
and who is learned in Vedic literature is allowed to perform the Vedic sacrifices. But here, the word sajjaha immediately is used, and Sridhar Swami also remarks that one can immediately become eligible to perform Vedic sacrifices. A person born in a family of the low caste, which is accustomed to eat dogs and bats, is so positioned due to his past sinful activities, but by chanting or hearing once in pureness or in this manner, he is immediately relieved of the sinful reaction. Not only is of the sinful reaction, but he immediately achieves the result of all purificatory processes. Taking birth in the family of a brahmana is certainly due to, to pious activities in one's past life. But still, a child who is born in a family of a brahmana depends for his further reformation upon initiation into acceptance of a sacred thread and many other reformatory processes. But a person who chants the holy name of the Lord, even if born in a family of chandalas, dog eaters, does not need reformation. Simply by chanting Hare Krishna, he immediately becomes purified and becomes as good as the most learned Brahmana. Sridhar Swami especially remarks in this connection, Anena Pujat Dvam Lakshate. Some caste Brahmanas remark that by chanting Hare Krishna purification begins. Of course, that depends on the individual process of chanting, but this remark of Sridhar Swami is completely applicable if one chants the holy name of the Lord without offense, for he immediately becomes more than a brahmana, more than a brahmana. As Sridhar Swami says, Pujatvam, he immediately becomes as respectable as a most learned brahmana, and he can be allowed to perform Vedic sacrifices. If simply by chanting the holy name of the Lord one becomes sanctified instantly, then what can be said of those persons who see the Supreme Lord face to face and who understand the descent of the Lord as Devahuti understands Kapiladev? Usually initiation depends on the bona fide spiritual master who directs the disciple. If he sees that a disciple has become competent and purified by the process of chanting, he offers a sacred thread to the disciple, just so that he will be recognized as 100% equal with a brahmana. This is confirmed in the Hari Bhakti Vilas by Sri Sanatana Goswami. Quote, As a base metal like bell metal can be changed into gold by a chemical process, any person can similarly be changed into a brahmana diksha vidhana, the initiation process. It is sometimes remarked that by the chanting process, one begins to purify himself, one begins to purify himself and can take birth in his next life in a brahmana family and then be reformed. But at this present moment, even those who are born in the best brahmana families are not reformed, nor is there any certainty that they are actually born of brahmana fathers. Formerly, the Garbhadhan reformatory system was prevalent, but at the present moment, there is no such Garbhadana or seed-giving ceremony. 
Under these circumstances, no one knows if a man is factually born of a Brahmana father. Whether one has acquired the qualification of a Brahmana depends on the judgment of the bona fide spiritual master. He bestows upon the disciple the position of a Brahmana by his own judgment. When one is accepted as a Brahmana in a sacred thread, ther- thread ceremony under the, pa- under the Pancharatrika, excuse me, under the Pancharatrika system, then he is Dvija, twice born. That is conser- confirmed by Sanatana Goswami, Dvijatvam Jayate, by the process of initiation by the spiritual master. A person is accepted as a brahmana in his purified state of chanting the holy name of the Lord. He then makes further progress to become a qualified Vaishnava, which means that the brahminical qualification is already acquired. Om Timirandasya Gananjana Shalakaya Chakshur Miratam Jena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha Namam Vishnupadaya Krishna Prastaya Bhutale Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Swaminiti Namine Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Prachadine Nevashesha Shunyavadi Pastya Tadeshatadine Jaya Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhara Sri Vasari Gauravakta Rinda Vanchakalpatarubhyascha kripa-sindhu-bevacha Patitanam pavanebhyo vaishnavebhyo namo namaha Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare So, here's when our acharyas get bold. And it's not just the acharyas. Actually, Kapila Muni is saying it right here to his own mother. And it's there. It's in the Shastra. Now, it may seem a little radical, um, but this is the truth. It only seems radical because it's been put forth that our material consideration, that our material conditioning is, is a consideration. But basically, what Kapila Muni and what the Acharyas are saying, what Sri Prabhupada is saying, and he's referencing Sanatana Goswami, he's referencing Sridhar Swami that uh, it's your material conditioning is not a qualification or disqualification and that it is by chanting the holy name by hear, even hearing this verse is saying not just chanting just, just once uttering the holy name chanting about the person, the supreme person hearing, just hearing about the supreme person just offering obeisance as the Supreme Person or remembers him, then one becomes eligible to perform Vedic sacrifices, which traditionally performing Vedic sacrifices, you have to go through many qualifi- systems of qualification to do such a thing. So this is pretty bold. But uh, actually, it's just really stating how powerful devotional service really is that even if you haven't been doing it for very long, even if you just do it right now, immediately, in this moment, it qualifies you. But that doesn't mean it qualifies you forever. So we'll get into that a little bit here. And Prabhupada, he sort of points to that by saying that, that if one, he adds that it's, 
but one's chanting without offense. So that's kind of where we'll go here. But um, Prabhupada is saying that he references Bhagavad Gita 1866, that if you surrender to Krishna, then just all you have to do is just let go of the other things, hold on to me, and and by doing so, I'll protect you, I'll take care of you, and you'll be immune from sinful activities. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that um, that we won't experience pain or suffering. It just means that we will be under the umbrella of his lotus feet. It means that our consciousness will be, um, will be buoyant uh, in the midst of suffering and pain and conflict and confusion. So this is beyond piety. This is beyond piety. You know, we can do so many great things. We can have many great qualities. But devotional service, uh, Krishna consciousness, our consciousness transcending the material modes and even the mode of goodness, even the, the highest, purest mode of goodness, even that we, we can transcend by, by engaging in the process of devotional service. And Prabhupada's saying that in the purport that a Brahmana, actually, he's saying this, this whole idea of being a Brahmana, he really, he really uh, critiques it. He's saying, you know, what, okay, you know, even if you're born in an actually truly Brahmana family, like truly Brahmana by quality, even if you're born in a, a, a truly Brahmana family by quality, in this day and age, how how is it even? He said the Garbhadan samskar, the this um, the seed giving ceremony, which is actually the it's a it's a, a the sattvic pure way of conceiving a child. He's saying even that doesn't really happen in this day and age, and the the likelihood of such a thing happening, and it's not just like no, I don't know if you've ever actually read about it, but um, there are many, many little details to follow the Garbhadan Samskara ceremony. There are, there are many details. So who, who actually does it? Prabhupada's, Prabhupada's saying the fact that such a thing is actually happening is unlikely. So, but even then, if you're born in a Brahmana family, it's not that just by being born in a Brahmana family, it means that you are already qualified to be a brahmana okay you might be five years old but you have to go through through so many purif purificatory ceremonies and uh, refor reformatory processes and then when when you're observed and seen okay yes this person has the qualities of a brahmana then okay then you're then you're a brahmana and so it's this is pointing to that to be a brahmana actually is by quality Prabhupada says this in other places is many other places too that a brahmana is a, is a, a, a set of qualities and so we know that brahmanas brahmana means um, mode of goodness the other castes have the influence of the other modes and and all of those castes within those castes there's different 
activities and livelihoods that, that one engages in to become more purified to eventually come to the mode of goodness, and that is um, based on Ashram Dharma. But Krishna consciousness in many ways goes beyond Varnashram Dharma and that, and, and that just, by, just by purely uttering Krishna's holy name one time in that moment immediately we're qualified beyond Brahminical qualities we've transcended. That's um, when, I, when I went to look into the Nectar of Devotion um, further, where Prabhupada is referencing, referencing is in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Here, Sangupa Goswami says in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu that is, from my understanding, it's in the fifth chapter called The Purity of Devotional Service. And I'm going to read some of it because I, I, I'm really appreciating how Prabhupada the wording he uses. So um, I'm just going to ch check on some little spots here. So Rupa Goswami states that devotional service is transcendental to all materials and it is not limited to any particular country, class, society, or circumstance. Country, class, society, or circumstance. It is not limited. As stated in Srimad Bhagavatam, devotional service is transcendental and has no cause. Devotional service is executed without any hope for gain, and it cannot be checked by any material circumstance. It is open for all and without any distinction, and it is the constitutional occupation of the living entity. Like, uh, I mean, what, what else can we say there? It's the occupation of, of all the living entities. It has no cause. It's transcendental. It's beyond any country, class, society, or circumstance. It's transcendental to all material considerations. And then he goes on to explain in the next paragraph that um, after Lord Chaitanya's disappearance, um, there was a class of priestly persons that claimed to be descendants of Lord Nityananda, and they called themselves the Goswami caste. And so he explains how his Guru Maharaj, uh, Bhakti Sananta Saraswati Thakur, he, he completely, quote, completely smashed their idea. There was a great hard struggle for some time, but it has turned out successfully. And now, correctly, and practically established that devotional service is not restricted to a particular class of men. So Sri the Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur struggle for this movement has come out successful. Well, our acharyas are so I, I want to say bold, but in some ways they're just really humbly stating the truth. And it feels bold because uh, there's so much misunderstanding about devotional service and there's so much materialistic conceptions and beliefs around this and that are not true and our acharyas are, are very uh, boldly declaring the purity and potency of devotional service and I'm going to read more because this is really powerful it is on the basis 
physician that anyone can, anyone can now become a Gaudiya Vaishnava from any part of the world or any part of the universe. <laughs> He's just like going for it. <laughs> Not just the world, but the universe. Anyone who is a pure Vaishnava is situated transcendentally and therefore the highest qualification in the material world, namely to be in the mode of goodness, has already be, been achieved by such a person. Our Krishna consciousness movement in the Western world is based on the above-mentioned proposition of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Goswami Prabhupada, our spiritual master. On his authority, we are claiming members from all sections of the Western countries. The so-called Brahmanas claim that one who is not born into a Brahmana family cannot receive the sacred thread and cannot become a high-grade Vaishnava. But we do not accept such a theory because it is not supported by Rupa Goswami nor by the strength of the various scriptures. So they're standing by what the acharyas and what the scriptures say. And in this purport, Kapila Muni, he's saying directly that even someone who is considered the, in the lowest material qualifications or, or considerations, such as those who are eating unnecessarily, well, let's put it this way, who are unnecessarily eating animals, even such a person, which is, that's considered um, in the Vedic eyes as being the lowest material uh, existence, even that, that that can be transformed and transcended simply by the power and the potency of the pure holy name, simply by the power and potency of, of hearing openly without offense and speaking the glories of the Supreme Person. Srila Rupa Goswami specifically mentions herein that every man has the birthright to accept devotional service and to become Krishna conscious. And if anyone's wondering, when he says every man, it means every human. He has given many evidences from many scriptures, and he has especially quoted one passage from Padma Purana, wherein the sage Vasista tells King Dilipa, My dear king, everyone has the right to execute devotional service, just as he has the right to take early bath in the month of Mag, which is December, January. <laughs> which is a little funny because how many, how many of you willingly want to take bath in December, January? in the very early morning <laughs> in a cold river <laughs> everyone has the right <laughs> there is more evidence in the Skanda Purana in the Kashi Kanda portion where it is said in the country known as Mayurav Dvaja the lower caste people who are considered less than Shudras are also initiated in the Vaishnava cult of devotional service and when they are properly dressed, with tilak on their bodies and beads in their hands and on their necks, they appear to be coming from Vaikuntha. In fact, they look so very beautiful that immediately they surpass the ordinary brahmanas. So Vashishtamuni himself is saying, well, and actually that one's from Skanda Purana in the Kashikana portion. So Prabhupada is giving strong references in a line with what Kapila Muni himself is saying here. And then he says, he goes on further saying more 
Thus, a Vaishnava automatically becomes a Brahmin, and this idea is also supported by Sanatana Goswami in his book, Hari Bhakti Vivas, which is the Vaishnava guide. And he, sa- and he just goes on. The, the, uh, this, he gives the same example of bell metal turning to gold by the touch of mercury, by the mixture of mercury. So bona fide spiritual master, uh, under the guidance of authorities, can turn anyone to the Vaishnava cult so that naturally he may come to the topmost position of a brahmana. And we can see even uh, just like the example of Narada Muni, just by the touch, just by the association of Narada Muni, uh, a, a hunter who wasn't even doing like, <clears throat> he wasn't even like a clean hunter in the sense of the, he wasn't even just killing the animal, he was half killing them, letting them die. It was like the worst. He got trans- was transferred association, association of Narada Muni by hearing his instructions and by engaging in devotional service. So now he, here's the catch. I mean, it's not a catch, but the stipulation, right? Srila Rupa Goswami warns, however, that if a person is properly initiated by a bona fide spiritual master, he should not think that simply by the acceptance of such initiation, his business is then finished. All right, I'm initiated. Cool, we're done. I'm a brahmana. I'm beyond brahmana. One still has to follow the rules and regulations very carefully. If after accepting the spiritual master and being initiated, one does not follow the rules and regulations of devotional service, then he has again fallen. One must be very vigilant to remember that he is the part and parcel of the transcendental body of Krishna and that it is his duty as part and parcel to give service to the whole or Krishna. If we do not render service to Krishna, then again we fall down. In other words, simply becoming initiated does not elevate one to the position of a high-class brahmana. One has to accomplish the duties and follow the regular regulative very rigidly. So, <clears throat> so it's not just like, oh, okay, if someone chants the one time, purely one time, and then they're all set. No. So basically what he's saying is, is that by... When, when we, so when we're staying, like when you're in the river, you don't just touch the water and, and step up and be like, yeah, I'm good. Like you step in the river and you stay there. So we have to keep ourselves constantly in the flow, in the current of service. And in that way, our, our consciousness is elevated and we are, we are, as Prabhupada describes, beyond Brahmana, beyond the material calculations of Brahmana. So we have to keep our consciousness always engaged in devotional service. And some days it won't feel like we're really, but we just keep putting ourselves in the current. And sometimes we'll, we will just step out of that current and walk away because it just feels like too much. But we keep putting ourselves in the current, keep ourselves in the current of Krishna consciousness, that's actually how, as this verse describes, how we are continuously eligible. So it gets tricky when Swami says. So if one is regularly discharging devotional service, 
there will be no question of a fall down. But even if circumstantially there is some fall down, the Vaishnava need nothing to do with prayaschitta, the ritualistic ceremony for purification. If someone falls down from the principles of the devotional service, he need not take the the prayas chitta performances for reformation. He simply has to execute the rules and regulations for discharging devotional service and sufficient for his statement. This is the mystery of the Vaishnava devotional cult. So, so he's saying there are there are purificatory systems, but he's saying that that simply by reinstating oneself in the current of devotional service, of devotional life, then simply by that activity, we are back into the reformatory system. So it's even simultaneously being, being in that state, our consciousness is in the system of devotional service, it's in the current. At the same time, if there are, well, not if, but pretty much when there are, while there are, uh, material considerations, material conditionings, those things are being constantly purified. So this is 1851 to 53. I'm not going to read the Sanskrit. I'll just read the translation. Being purified by his intelligence and controlling the mind with determination, giving up the objects of Okay, so purified by his intelligence. So the intelligence is managing the mind and the senses in a very determined way. Um, is giving up objects of sense gratification, giving up bad habits, or regulating, being freed from attachment and hatred, one who lives in a secluded place, who eats little, who controls his body, mind, and power of speech, who is always in trance and who is detached, free from false ego, false strength, or false pride, lust, anger, and acceptance of material things, free from false proprietorship, and peaceful. Such a person is certainly elevated to the position of self-realization. So these are qualities that come from engaging in the process of self-realization. Even while we're engaged in that process, it's we, just like we may experience those things while we're engaging. So just like, you know, it's uh, okay, we may be feeling okay in the morning and then at some point in the day something happens we don't know what happens, then we feel depressed. We feel in the lower modes, Tamaguna is hitting us. We don't feel determined. I just want to watch a movie and eat chocolate. But, but oh, I don't feel so. And then we start experiencing like things like, you suck, you can't do this, 
that person said that thing about you. They're probably talking about 20 other people about you at the same time. You know, like all this stuff starts like caving in. And it's almost like there's a part of the self. The, the false ego self is attacking the real self and entrapping it. Maya is not just outside us. Maya is inside us. And so what kind of script is that, is that that's happening to us? But immediately by, by taking up our japa beads and chanting the holy name, we can reclaim and reinstate our consciousness and take it back. You know? So it's just from, sometimes it's not like, okay, maybe it takes like four to eight rounds just to like feel better. <laughs> but, but, but I'm sure that all of you have had the experience of if you've ever chanted 16 rounds straight through, by the time that 16 round comes, you don't want to stop. Because getting out of that flow means having to go back into that, into that terrible, miserable place again. That, that state of consciousness that's so miserable. Sometimes, sometimes it feels like if we could just chant, if we could just feel that way forever, like the 17th round forever, then probably it wouldn't be so bad here. But that's, that's, what, we're, <laughs> that's what we're given, you know, like... And, and even if we get bored of chanting japa, okay, let's go uh, cook something for Krishna. Let's try a different recipe today. Let's uh, go meet some new people and, and, you know, talk about, share realizations with them. Let's, uh, you know, call a devotee and read together or check in with them. Um, let's dress the deities. Let's make, let's make some jewelry for the deities. Let's... So there's so many different ways that we can engage in, and, and Kapila Muni is saying here, hearing about Krishna, offering obeisances. Okay, I'm just, right now I'm just gonna go and offer my obeisances to the deities right now. Thinking about Krishna. So there are so many ways that we can reinstate our consciousness back into the transcendental position. And even, even though it may not feel so transcendental, there will always be, and Chaitanya Charanprabhu, you just spoke really nicely on Sunday at our Sunday program uh, online, he said that you have, just like you have your spiritual self, you've got your spiritual self, you have your mind and your subtle body, all, it's, um, all the emotional, mental waves that come and go with that, and we have our physical body. So those things will always be there with us, but when our, con- our spiritual consciousness, our consciousness is broad and expansive, just like the ocean, there may be a little, there may be a waves or ripples on the top, but the ocean is deep and broad. And so those, those waves, okay, they're all, they'll always be there. There may be some agitation in the mind. But when we go deep, when we keep going deep with, our, with engaging ourselves in the trans, transcendental uh, devotional service, gets, puts, reinstates our consciousness back into that state, then those things will always be there, but like Prabhupada's saying, then we are immune the sinful activities, we're, in, we're immune to the, the agitations, the, the reactions that come to us from past activities, whether they be good or bad, that are not good or bad, but pleasurable or painful. Because even, even um, pleasurable things can, can knock our consciousness out of, of thinking of Krishna, right? Like Baldur Paul Prabhu was saying, he was, he went to this a beautiful nature place, not not very far from here, in Denver, 
and uh, he was uh, admiring the beauty, and he was uh, realized, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful, but like, am I thinking of Krishna? And he remembered Krishna. So even when, even in the pleasure, in the pain, it'll be there, it'll come, it'll go, this will come, this will go, this happens, that happens, this was really great, that was really painful. Suffering, pleasure, all those things, they're like the surface of the, the ocean. But in the depth of, and when we deepen our consciousness by constantly engaging in devotional service, then we become immune, which sounds pretty great. Yeah? And then the Mari says, yes. Uh huh. So. I'm going to stop there. I think I got everything that I noted now. I want to hear from you.
And even if one was able, even if one like had full realization of the unlimited, unending nature of Krishna's pastimes, the mere limit of language would prevent them from fully communicating the like the full extension of Krishna's pastimes. And then he said, but even if Krishna himself spoke of his unlimited pastimes, still the consciousness of the living entities within the material world would not actually be able to even comprehend. No. So just just that, like this is Bhaktivinoda Thakur, right? You can drive the So like just, just the um, clairvoyancy, the boldness, the uh, the power with which they can communicate these very subtle and like mm. and amazing concepts. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I was appreciating that mm-hmm. point. Yeah, the power of the soul in um, connected to its source is. Is, I mean, really, we're just sparks of a bigger fire. I mean, we're part and parcel of Krishna and Prabhupada, as he says in the um, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, he's saying that the, the, the part of, and parcel of Krishna needs to serve Krishna. So just keep serving, and then we're tapping into our, to who, who, who we are, really. Really, who we are, the soul, the soul as part and parcel of Krishna. Our serving Krishna is, is 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 being connected with Krishna, and and all qualities are within Krishna. And because as little parts and parcels, we are one in quality with Krishna. So all the qualities that that are described as even as brahminical qualities, those are actually they're not material qualities. Though they're they're qualities that are innate to this, the the spirit soul, and so. That, you know, sometimes we don't like to say that the spirit soul is powerful because, well, only Krishna is powerful. But the fact is, is that the soul is very powerful when it's connected with Krishna, the most powerful. And so, like you're saying, like the clarity and connection that they had, because they were so connected to the Supreme Person, they had so much clarity and, un, un, you know, it was so uh, revealed to them. Yeah. And they're not saying, and th- that I think that we should add that they're not saying like, well, we're acharyas and like, you know, good luck trying to be like us. No, they're saying anyone can be like this. It's not that they're just thinking, well, you know, a few lifetimes, like you'll, you know, you can get like us. No, like a- any soul, like Pakistan course saying like the people that like the bird language, what? You know, he's he's like he's just saying. How boldly he's like, don't think that you can't do this. Vegetable. Yeah, a vegetable. I mean, vegetables, like vegetable language. Tribes. Tribes? Vegetable tribes.
Krishna consciousness with others. Yeah. Basically, what Chaitanya is saying, that anyone who, Krishna says, anyone who shares this with others, that they're very dear to me. This is, this is good. I like, I like that when you do that. Bouncing off of that, um, I was also thinking during our first meeting about how uh, with new people, when they first start chanting, even if they just start chanting a little jamba, it's generally um, pretty defenseless. Mm. Like, and they, they really get affected the experience um, because it's kind of like a new thing, and um, so they might have, you know, and then generally what happens is, you know, their mind gets familiar or you start living with devotees and you start taking it for granted mm-hmm. and you're causing so many offenses yeah. and it becomes difficult. Um, that's a whole other conversation, but um, just relating to Trinity. And I did have one question. Um, so something I've been thinking about recently that when one chance the power of the whole name is that it can get rid of more sinful activities than one can commit in one's life. Mm. And that's like what brings the Hebrew fruit. And yet we also see so many prayers of the Acharyas who are chanting the whole name. And they're they're saying, I'm suffering reactions of my karma. Mm-hmm. So it, it seems like is that not having faith in the whole name? Because it's like well, I'm suffering karma even though I'm chanting. It seems like that could be, you know, I don't, I don't have faith in what we see with the Holy Name. And uh, just wondering, like, what your reflections are on that. So some of the Acharyas say that they're suffering sinful acti- sinful reactions. So <clears throat> it said that it said about some of their songs, like Bhakti Thakur's prayers, his songs that. That he's saying it um, as a mood of like representing all living entities. <clears throat> that he's representing all living entities in that. That's as far as I know. Just the question is um, like how for us practically as devotees, how can we think of the different difficulties that we're going through? Because it's like if I think that all difficulties are due to my karma, but I'm still, I'm chanting the whole name, so I'm not supposed to have any karma. Oh, yeah, it's not that we don't have karma. It, it I mean, like Prabhupada's saying he, that one is immune to sinful, sinful activities, meaning, like, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't mean that they won't keep happening. Like, Prabhupada uses, exa- uses the example of the fan, like, when they're, you know, you're, got your fan you unplug it it's keep still keeps spinning but also too you know if you're like if you're like oh like if we look look at the 10 offenses right one of them is to to um, commit sinful activities on the strength of chanting the holy name so what does that mean like if we really look at all the 10 offenses and we break it down what are they saying like does it mean that like we like at some point we're like plug it back in and we you know plug it back in or did we like plug? Did we unplug it and you know toss out the cord? Or are we like ding, ding, you know still plugging it in every now and then, committing sinful activities still? And also, whatever is happening to us, 
you know, this kind of gets into the area of like Krishna karma, like, oh, do we have karma? But then, you know, but um, it's, it, Krishna doesn't, uh, he doesn't change what, we, we are still being reformed. That's the thing. We're engaging in devotional service and on the material conditioning level, we are becoming purified and being reformed. And so what we've done in the past, in, in whatever karma that we've created due to activities we've done in the past, all of that was done in a, in a, in a certain mindset or consciousness. And so the concurrent reaction to such an activity and a mindset is that which reforms that mindset and the consciousness. So, so if that will be helpful, for our devotional service, Krishna's not going to take it away. He's going to keep it going. Like, yeah, I think that that would be good if, you know, if Rinjasundri gets that, like, experiences that thing, because then it'll really sink in and she won't think like that anymore, because it's getting in the way of her, like, connecting with me. So everything that's happening is, it becomes in support of devotional service. So even those so-called karmic reactions, they're all in support of the being in the current of, of Krishna consciousness. And so e- even, even purificatory, purificatory reformatory processes, those can support our devotional service. Um, it's, you know, sometimes we can get caught up in those things and think like, oh, I've got to do this in order for me to chant. No, chant now. And then if you and then if you really want to like go deeper and, and and pull out anartas and be very diligent, okay, let's work on these other things too. But it's all in support of staying in the current. But staying in the current is most important. So I don't know if that really hits on it, but just just on that point. What you're saying also, one thing that came to mind is that the devotee is not willing to make Krishna do any service. So it's not, they're not willing to offload their sinful activities onto Krishna's holy name. Like that's the need of the devotee. So they're willing to like suffer these reactions, like that um, titanium compounds which makes you know that I will all continue to suffer these reactions and still offer my obeisances to because the devotee is not saying, in, in, you know, pure devotee is not praying that. Oh, let me just be free from these reactions. Yeah. And then I was thinking of another one in Bhagavan Chakur's Akhani Vedu, and he says, Seva Yuka Sukha, Seva Sukha Yuka, Parama Sampara, Nashaya Avidya Yuka. So that, that essentially in your service, all the Sukha and all the Yuka, whatever happens, whatever distress comes, Parama Sampara, it's the, it's the topmost pleasure, it's my topmost treasure. Because Nashaya Avidya Dukkha, Avidya Dukkha, so the suffering of ignorance, Nashaya destroys that suffering of ignorance. And so, kind of like what you're saying, it's like I'm in some service, and then apparently there's some suffering coming or some pleasure coming, right? The suffering's coming and it's like reforming me, especially when my goal is Krishna Bhakti, right? It's reforming me in that way, it's, it's uprooting the kind of anarchism and the, the miserly tendencies that have caused me to commit such sinful activities and then I'm also experiencing sukha in service and that's that's giving me that higher taste mm-hmm. that's 
lowercase than the material for their activities. Mm -hmm. So I always love this line that, that all the happiness and the is my greatest treasure because it's destroying the ignorance, the suffering that comes with ignorance. Mm -hmm. It's waking me up. Yeah. It's like the alarm, you know, like cold water. It's like, it's painful, but it's like it wakes me up. Yeah, because it's helping us see what's in the way. You know, and it, we can't really, like, like Balgo Palprabhu was saying yesterday in class, he was saying that he read that quote by Bhaktisanta Saraswati Thakur that actually anartas get in the way of really chanting the, the pure name. And so that's our goal. I want to chant the pure name. I want to chant, I, I want to serve Krishna purely. I want to chant a pure name. Have I ever really ever chanted a pure name? Like, what's been getting in my way? And, and, okay, like, what are the ten offenses? I'm going to read through each one and see, am I doing this? And sometimes, like, when we recite it every day, it's like, sweet, simple, I do it, and I do it, and you know what I mean? So you can say it. You know, it's like we just recite it, but when we look at it, what are they, what is it saying? Am I, am I doing that? And, and when, like, Anandamara Prabhu is saying, when, when the Sukha Dukkha is there, what is that Sukha Dukkha showing me? about what's getting in the way of me chanting the pure holy name. Like, I want pure nam, so how can I get that? What's in my way? Oh, greed, oh, it's in my way. Oh, and then when you look at the weed, like, just like sometimes with dandelions, you see dand weeds, you say, oh, like, it doesn't look that, and you just kind of pull on it, and then you realize that you just broke the top off, but actually the root is really thick, and then we're like, oh, okay, let's pull this root out, and you start digging, and it's like, whoa, this thing is so deep. And sometimes it's like that. Like some little weeds you can just pluck with your fingers. They, they come out easy. Put a little water on the soil and they're easy to pull out or something. But, but then some weeds are like, are like whoa. Okay, that, that like you might sl like slice off the top, uh, the, so the top portion, but the, the root's going way down. You know, these are getting in the way. So I don't care if I have to suffer, if, if, as long as I can get that, get that pure name. If it means, like, I've got to like, get, a, get a shovel and just start digging, okay, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going and, and pulling so that I can clear, clear this, uh, this garden and clear the path so that I can stay connected more purely, more deeply, like that, yeah. Anything more to share? sure I understand. In other words, um, like devotees from West India, they would be criticized sometimes mm -hmm. for wrong here. Yeah. And they would say, well, you know, Indians don't want to be born in Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
part goes in your consciousness yeah. to be in your own relation mm-hmm. um, to represent you spontaneously. But what does it mean? In a nutshell, it means yeah. one thing that shows. Well, one thing that shows that, well, we're behaving in such a way that our con- our our behavior is reflecting our consciousness. So if our consciousness is absorbed in Krishna, which sounds pretty simple, right? But it means that when we understand Krishna, we we are in tune with the fact that all living entities are also part and parcel of him, so we're careful how we behave with others, right? So just from being Krishna conscious, then naturally, um, the be- good behavior comes. So it's not that someone's just like, you know, someone could be really expert at uh, at being very nice and careful and delicate with people and like very well behaved, but their purpose for doing it is it really is is it serving Krishna? Are they thinking of Krishna doing that? And if they're not, then it pretty much means they're doing it for some for some self self-centered reason even philanthropy that we may be helping someone and giving them a meal which yes it's 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 not that it's good or bad it's just that on a spiritual level are we making an impact are we making a a dent in that the the uh, evolutionary transformation of that soul's consciousness right like they may get a meal one day, but if we're giving them meat or if we're just, you know, yes, they're hungry, feed them today, yes. What about tomorrow? And what about their next life? So when we're Krishna conscious and we're engaging in devotional service in a way that it's truly Krishna conscious, then naturally our behavior manifests as being respectful to others. It manifests as being sensitive to other living entities. And it manifests as purity, right? We want to stay clean. We want to stay organized. Um, we want to, uh, you know, bathe. Like, brahmana means suchi. Brahmana means bathing at least twice, three times a day. You know, staying clean, organized, suchi. Um, wearing fresh clothing. Um, being sensitive. Following rules and regulations. Those things naturally come when we th- when we're really connected with Krishna. Is that good? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's nine oh nine. If everyone feels satisfied, then we will end here. Santush. Sun what? Santush. Santush. Nanda is satisfied, so we shall end. Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai.